A podcast network. Hello, listeners. I'm Anthony Rapp, and you are listening to the Radio 8 Ball Show with Andras Jones. Radio 8 Ball, give us a shake. the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards i'm your host andras jones hanging out here at black national studios in missoula montana on january 24th 2019 with our musical guest caroline keys hi andras hello caroline and joining us here in the studio well of course yeah you point to your friend Gibson, who's playing the playing the fantastic pedal steel, say hi, Gibson. Hello. He hates talking on the mic, so why do you do that to him? You're so mean. You're so mean. Uh, anyway, now but let's talk about your guest. You have a you invite. This is the first of your invited guest. Well, you kind of invited Sandman, but he's kind of also the host. So this is the first of our uh, of our guests who have never been on the show before. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball, Glenda Bradshaw. Thank you very kindly. Oh, well, you're welcome very kindly. Uh, so now, Caroline, why do you invite Glenda? What, tell us about this, this fantastic woman. Oh, this fantastic woman. So um, this is actually really funny. Um, us appearing here together on Radio 8 Ball is in lieu of us taking our first walk um, as friends. We want to be friends, and we're neighbors, and... I, I want to know her, and when we figured that out, I promptly went to Memphis for a month, <laughs> um, like right after we figured out that we were neighbors, and so we never got to take that walk. So we're going to do a podcast together instead to get to know each other. Oh, this is great. I love that. So we've established that you're a big walker. You walk with you walk with people. That's what you do. Yeah, I like to walk. That's I, a, I like to walk with Sandman. I like, yeah. That's yeah. great. Okay. And I'm just a fan of Glenda and the world. Um, and I want her to explain exactly what she does here in town because there are very many things and I'm just, I admire the way she sees the world and, um, yeah, so I, I don't know. Oh, I love it because, <laughs> so I love it because what we know about her now uh-huh. is that she is a neighbor. Yes. She sees the world and she walks. This is, so far, <laughs> it's very broad. She is ambulatory. She has vision. Mm-hmm. And she lives next to you. Yeah, these are all couple, these are all very important away. talents. But I want to know more about you, Glenda. Caroline is obviously intimidated by yeah. by your it's, accomplishments. It's she doesn't true. want to just start listing stuff off your Wikipedia page. So tell why don't you why don't you, 
I'm not going to put you in the position of singing your own praises, but tell us what you what, what you're about. What do you do? Oh my goodness! I think my attributes may be limited to being ambulatory <laughs> and in favor of Caroline's at times. Um, you know, I, I own a coffee shop in town. Oh, which um, coffee yeah, shop? It's called Clyde Coffee, and it's on the Hip Strip. Uh, near Chris's place of employment. Near the Roxy? Yeah, near the Roxy. Big fan of the Roxy. Do you call it the hip strip? You know, they do. They do. I slightly object to it, but um, it's uh, not but, my call. But you just used it. <laughs> you object to your, to your, your own language. I don't object to using, you, <laughs> uh, you know, the standard uh, naming protocol for things, even if I wish to rename them. It's okay. We've already established that we're all contradictory <laughs> humans living inside of mm-hmm. houses with people, our own different selves arguing with each other. So you're totally in keeping. So you own a coffee shop on the hip strip, I which do. we don't like the name of, but near the Roxy. I'll let it go. Okay. I'll let it um, and then I have a day job. I run a garbage company in the state, so I'm a trash lady. So that's you're a I trash lady. Five, yeah, it's fascinating. You wait. So your day <laughs> job is garbage, it is. but your art project is running a coffee shop. Yeah, well said. It's true. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what got you into garbage? A phone call got me into garbage. Um, I had a prior corporate life before I uh, opened the coffee shop. That's before you knew to not pick up the <laughs> robocalls? Totally. Do you want a career in trash? <laughs> I think the most frequent thing I say is I want to throw this damn phone away. But I didn't throw it away at that moment. I answered that phone call. They said, would you like a career in trash? I thought, well, well certainly I would because I had spent some time on the West Coast in Seattle and Oakland. And when I moved here, I was a little alarmed by the recycling situation. So oh, thought, got it. If you'll give me the chance to fix it, uh, I'd like to do that. Have you fixed the recycling situation? <laughs> no, I have not. About 10 seconds after I got the job, the commodities market for recycling sort of fell apart. So it's become a more complex economic equation than I thought it might be. You know, I'm at the at the risk of having the session go long and become boring to other people. <laughs> I'm so curious about that. How, to expl- just a li- if you can, how does the commodities market reflect relate to trash? So the commodities market for residential recyclables used to be really strong. So there's an end market. People would purchase them and repurpose them. And primarily that person was China. Um, But for a number of reasons that I won't bore you with, uh, China has stopped taking most of our recyclables and that eliminated uh, the market that took 95% of our recyclables. So they went from having a cash value to having no value and essentially no buyers. So it makes the economics of it really difficult because when recycling started, um, the commodities market was so strong um, that people um, who subscribe to it um, have a sense that it should be free. And it was, in a sense, subsidized by the commodity. But now it's entirely subsidized by trash. So a couple of years ago, I may have received $100 a ton uh, for a ton of recycling. Now I probably pay $200 a ton for someone to take that from me mm-hmm. if I can find a buyer. Why did China lose their taste for our trash? Um, because we were sending them garbage. It was heavily contaminated with medical waste, food waste. I wouldn't um, want that either. Nope, and they don't want it. And um, the problem beyond having buyers um, you know, for the commodity um, is that we just simply purchase too much. So there's an overwhelming supply um, and the demand um, simply isn't there and the technology isn't there to repurpose it, particularly plastic. So mm-hmm. I, now I'm on my soapbox. Yeah. But, um, but if there's something you shouldn't buy, it's plastics. Right. Don't look at the snacks. <laughs> <laughs>
do not stand in judgment. I do. <laughs> I feel terribly embarrassed. I, but I, I do want to. I do want to go back to another question, which is, uh, <laughs> did our waste get worse? And China just was like, oh, now your your trash has really gone downhill, America. <laughs> or were we always, our trash always full of garbage? <laughs> but but mm-hmm. they, the Chinese just got, you know, got hip to it. You know, they got they got really tired of it. And they they're got, sophisticated and they have other means of income. So I they mean, have I would imagine they now. create, their, they have a lot of people there. They, they create a plenty of plenty of trash. They, they Why would they <laughs> want ours? <laughs> well, you know, this we could go really deep here, but emerging economies will right. do sort of anything to grow, right? Um, and so taking these recyclables in was also part of um, trade. Like, there's so many layers to this. Oh, yeah, I got this, it. Okay. Basically, we purchased a lot of things from China. They came over in ships, so the ships were empty, so they backfilled them with recycling. So the whole, the whole system at work, right? So there are a lot of trade barriers that we could go into. Mm-hmm. So there are fewer ships coming, so got they don't it. need so much they also their economy um has diversified um and they don't need to um right be in this business to some degree so there'll be some emerging third world market where our you know recyclables will go hopefully they'll be less trashy and more likely to be recycled um but you know long story short a lot of these countries don't have environmental regulation a lot of the things that we send over that we would like to get recycled end up being burned. Um, there are huge just like recycled yeah. trash dumps that are sorted through by children. I mean, it's not a pretty story. So, you know, ultimately reducing and reusing is going to solve the problem. I don't think we can recycle our way out of this mess. Right. At least not for a decade or more. So I'm going to get to your question because we, we, we do have to this, but you really got me excited about this topic. This is something <laughs> I'm so interested in. I never, it's one of those things we all deal with it and we never meet an expert in it. So having you here is just a tremendous resource. I'm glad you're interested. I could talk about it all day. I'm kind of a garbage geek. So just, are you, you know, we talk, there's a lot of talk about the Green New Deal, right? Okay. And that's something that I think inspires a lot of people. When this comes out in March, I hope people are still inspired about it and even more inspired about it. But in that vision, when you hear people talk about that, what's the vision other than reducing, obviously we that would be part of an overall strategy of reducing and reusing. But what's your utopian vision of how trash works? My utopian vision of how trash works is that um, items that can be reused are reused in the local economy because anytime you have to touch them repeatedly, there's a lot of expense associated with that. And anytime there's expense, it prices people out of the system. So right now, most recycling in this country is based on a subscription. Um, and so in order to make it affordable so that everybody can recycle, we have to take costs out of the system. And then as well, anytime you have to ship things long distances, say to the coast, as we do, because uh, there's no secondary use. Because um, so you don't have an ocean here to trumpet in, right? <laughs> totally. The ocean is so far away. Anyway, it costs a lot of money to ship recycling to the coast before it gets dumped in the ocean. So if we could remove that step, it would be marvelous. But I would really like to see um, private um, enterprise um, spring up in manufacturing um, to create um, secondary products. There's a lot of great ideas, but it uses such limited amounts of what we're producing. Mm-hmm. Um, we really have to come up with better um, secondary uses for these materials um, if we're going to continue to buy them. You know, oh, I, do, I be, like my snacks yeah. too. I love that. I love it. People have to figure out how to make LPs out of own, like, as like I'm just thinking, I'm, we're musicians here. We can do our part. 
Yeah. We make all our LPs and CDs and cassettes out of only recycled materials from other CDs and LPs and cassettes. Close the new LP, cassette, and CD. There's plenty of stuff. We got, I think, like 50 cassettes behind Caroline right here. We could probably recycle <laughs> half of them. Yeah. Oh, no. Sorry. Record over that crowded house. <laughs> what? Don't. What? Don't. What? Yes, <laughs> Don't knock Neil, the, Neil Finn. Come on. Which crowded house record is it? Oh, the first one? Oh, is that Temple of Low Men? Yeah, first one. Wait. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, that is the first. That's a great song. That's great. Mitchell Froome producing Mitchell Froome, who's been a guest on Radio 8 Ball. Oh, wow. Anyway, okay. Let's get back. You got distracted there. This is why we don't let Gibson talk. He's, he's, he, he, keeps just, just, he crowds the house. He crowds the house. Oh, yeah. Please compare me to Crowded House. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's get back to Glenda. So, okay. is your question trash related? It's not, but maybe it should have been. No, 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 no. There's no oh should have. And the realm okay. of Radio 8. Ball. Okay. It's okay. in the context of trash no matter what you ask. Oh, totally. So, it always is. So, what it is, is your question? About trash. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. <laughs> This is where you segue to talking about the, the presidential administration. No. Oh, my no, sorry. goodness. No, don't. That's for other shows. What is your question for the okay. pop or? Okay. So, okay. Amongst, you know, some other things, I'm an accountant. So, you know, I, I like things that speak to me numerically. Uh, so I was really struggling to come up with my question. Um, I was recently divorced after a really long marriage. And so, of course, I'm a little obsessed about the idea of love and my future. But I didn't want to ask a question that had a yes or no answer because, you know, I believe in this process. And so if the answer was no, you know, it'd be a little depressing way to start the year. Um, so Carolyn and I have a mutual friend called Jeremy Smith, and he's, he's pretty good with words. So I, I asked him to phrase my question for me. Um, so my question really comes from Jeremy. So you, have a re so you recycled your question. Yeah. I totally <laughs> You repurposed it, recycled it, yeah, yeah. turned it I into totally a new did. question. Yeah. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> So, so I want to know, and really Jeremy wants to know, um, how many children does my second husband have? How many children does my second husband have? Yeah. You know, I don't know Montana well enough to say, is that a very Montana question? But uh, <laughs> how many children does my second husband have, second husband have, and now to engage the pop oracle... You get to spin the wheel of eight. Na 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 na. We love it. Song number three, which is "Woman of the Woods." Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, take my yeah. Take a minute to <laughs> laugh as much as you want. <clears throat> um, okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna pee in my pants. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. What's more worthy of an anthem than the spider in your bed? 
coming in out of the rain Making her home right by the drain of the woods as the answer <laughs> to Glenda's question, how many children's do, children's does her second husband have? Oh, that is so, so right. I'm so fucked up. <laughs> okay. Wow. I feel like there's some information I don't know here. <laughs> Take a moment. What's that? A bucket. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Goodness. Come, come, come close okay. to the microphone. Okay, let's, let's come okay. back here. Okay. So oh my goodness! Wow. I love how the how deeply this answer impacted you. Oh, it's hysterical. 
So, well, we need to know more. So first of all, let's start with you, Caroline. Okay. And tell us a little bit about the background of the song. You told me a little bit about this title uh, before we got here. So maybe you could tell us where this, what this is a part of. Okay. Um. So I'm... <laughs> I'm working on a project that is um, it is a response album to Justin Timberlake's Man of the Woods, which is an album that he made. Uh, it's his Montana record. And so I'm not listening to his record, but I'm just taking his titles and writing my own songs with his titles. And um, so my project's is called, project is called Woods of the Woman, um, and I'm... This is the first song that's come up tonight from that project. And is there a song on it called Woman of the Woods? There's a song on his record called Man, Man of, of the Woods. Woods. So Woman so, of the Woods is... Yep. Okay. Yep, yep. And is this like... is When I think of response records, mm -hmm. the one that jumps to mind most readily is Liz Fair's yep. Exile in Guyville, which is probably right. the most famous, particularly woman responding to mm. guys' records. Hers was particularly you know pointed because their music has a particularly, you know, misogynistic bent sometimes. Mm. And so for having her take that on, it was a broadside. Is are are you do you feel the same way? Are you in are you troubled by the fact that Justin Timberlake came to like wrote a record about Montana and and didn't invite you to be on it? <laughs> Dude. Um <laughs> You know, I, I, I'm not necessarily no that I'm not troubled about that. Um, but the 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 idea of it was really it was it was synchronicity actually. Can I tell you? Yeah. Now that I think about it, so I flew to Memphis last year. Uh, I have a relationship with that town, and um, and um, with various artists there, and I have family there. And I was going to be a guinea pig in an artist residency program. And the day that I was leaving, the announcement of Man of the Woods is coming out. Justin Timberlake's making and like all this promo video of Justin Timberlake in Montana, like wearing a Pendleton blanket and all this stuff. And like, so I tweeted, I was like, well, I'm on my way from Montana to Memphis. I guess I'm pulling, you know, I'm pulling a, a reverse Timberlake. I'd like to call this a reverse Timberlake. And like, haha, I got a good laugh. And that was it. And um, then when I got to Memphis and I was in my residency program, like um, Memphis uh, has a lot of abandoned building, abandoned buildings. And all around where I was, like all the abandoned buildings started to be covered in posters of Justin Timberlake in Montana. And then even one night I came back from the MLK celebration and the building across the street, like literally looking into my studio was a larger than life Justin Timberlake in Montana, staring there at me. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I went to Put the it back in your pants, yeah, JT. Yeah, yeah. And then I went, yeah, right? Yeah, creeper. Um, and then I went to the sink in my studio. And, there and was the brand was just. Yeah. And I had to put a little I in right. after that. Anyway, so that's how it started. It wasn't necessarily, I wasn't up in arms about him making this record, although I thought it was a little ridiculous. Um that, you know, somebody who's living at the Yellowstone Club would, like, kind of ca well, cash in on Montana. And so my record isn't – I mean, my the record that I'm writing has to do with gender and class and um, wilderness and civilization. 
and a lot of different things and um, the commodification of the West and like I'm trying to wrap a lot of stuff into this yeah. into this thing. Um, <clears throat> and that song specifically is the most recent one. I don't know that it's really done, um, but that's the one I've written most recently. And it's it's about um, it's like both like wildness in the sense of uh, spending time outside and coming back. Um, but also wildness and the fact that, like, you know, I tried, I tried to like be at home and be a wife and stay in one place, and like domestication didn't work out for me. And I have this belief that I, or I, you know, I have curiosity, like, am, am I cut out for that? Is that something is interesting to me? Because in Glenda's question is about, you know, she, this is something she wants. How many children is my second husband going to have? And that song for me is a is is like, holy oh. smokes, like. Am I ever am I ever even going to be cut out for that? Like, who knows? Like, like, and that's fine. <laughs> like, kind of, yeah. So that's really interesting. So okay, good. This is great because now this helps me because I oh sorry oh what were you gonna say? And so there's three animals in it. It's all about animals that are wild, but they come in. They might come in your house: a spider, squirrels, and a raccoon. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. So, and I want to get it, actually, I just, I'll say this right now. It has one of my favorite, one of the most, I'm a big fan of Cole Porter. The, mm. and, and Sam Man was talking about, I like to, I like wordplay. Mm. There's a delicious line in this that I think even Cole Porter would be proud of. And he's, he was the master at mm. this stuff. The line is, you can keep your aristocrat chores, which is the first time you're like, what's aristocrat chores? What's, what the hell does that mean? What does that word mean? And then you rhyme it was, because I am the raccoon at your cat door. Oh Aristocat chores and cat door? Come on. That's, yes, take a bow to that. That's, that just, you must have, when you, when you hit that, were you just... You're pretty happy with yourself. You should have been. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. Like you know, no, nobody's gonna play that on the radio. Oh, I, <laughs> you know? I, what are you talking about? You're yeah, I mean, okay, ball. sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay, take that, JT. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and just so you, just in case you're listening, James Taylor, she's talking to Justin Timberlake. Okay. You stole your initials, that bastard. <laughs> so okay, now. This is what I what confused me. I thought you were asking. You said you just got out of. You were just divorced. Yeah. And I thought you you got divorced from your second husband. No. And I had put up this whole story that he had a secret family. Oh. With multiple ex children that you didn't know about, <laughs> and that now you're curious who else is there. Oh my goodness! No, no, no. I think that was pretty straightforward. Okay. Yeah. So the question is about your next relationship. Correct. Right. Correct. And how many will he have? Correct. That. Definitely makes a difference. It makes so, a huge difference. So, what did you think? Now, you both lost it when this came up as the answer. Oh, well, because the title, um, I, 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 I want not a woman and not the woods. <laughs> Neither of those things. You don't are want on the woman list. or the woods? <laughs> no, no. But I really like the idea and all that you were talking about because there's these sort of, I don't know, you sort of get in a zone when you're, you know, going through something like that. And so there were all these, like, really, like, strong visual metaphors for me sort of over the last year. So I really mm. like that the Justin Timberlake wasn't sort of political or musical, but it just was this sort of overwhelming, like, sort of visual reference that you kept seeing and then it resonated mm. and that your response was to something just purely sort of visual. Um, mm. 
that that definitely struck me as mm. being pertinent. Oh, interesting. And interesting. didn't you sing that song at Jeremy's birthday? Yeah, that was one of the reasons that, that I laughed. Like one of the last times I saw uh, Glenda was at the birthday party of the friend who helped her write the question. Oh. And, um, and he has... Uh, I guess performative birthday parties, would you say? Mm-hmm. Or, or there's a chance for everyone to tell a story, or it's kind of like a talent show. Cool. And so this was what I, sh- my half done song was what I shared. And that's the last time I saw you, I think, um, was, was at that party. Well, I mean, the song seems to be, like you're saying, th- this is a song about someone wrestling with the idea of being in a traditional relationship. I mm-hmm. guess when you said d- d- domestication, I don't know if it works for me. I don't know if it works for anyone, but let's just mm-hmm. assume that there's someone out there who it works for. But this song is saying it doesn't really work for you, and so your question is sort of is very it's sort of very domestic. It's like a, not just a, a new partner, but a new partner and will and with already a, a family in place, and the song is definitely speaking to is reaching towards a kind of wildness like in a way you'd be like in you'd be like the wild animal that is coming into the household in this scenario right you're the raccoon or the spider or what's the other one uh, squirrels yeah that gets into this house to this domestic situation i'm trying to find the the numerical answer mm. like for myself i'm having I, mm. I'm, I'm sure that there's this what happens i go back and i listen to these and there's a future me that's listening to this and being like Dude, it's so obvious. It's three. <laughs> but I can't tell right now. But huh. I'm just vibing on that there's a question that is sort of motivated by a sort of an impulse towards domesticity. And then this song that's a rejection of domesticity and a embracing of wildness. So And maybe that's and maybe that's a real, you know, question. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I was married for twenty seven years and it was, you know, 26 years of it were great. And then Saturn returned. You yeah, had your relationship Jesus. Saturn returned. Yeah. Saturn. <laughs> um, but certainly that's a question I've had, you know, sort of since then is would I do that again? Or, you know, certainly there are many other paths in life other than domesticity. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, and wildness is maybe one of those answers. But, um, yeah, I think it's – I actually think it was a really good answer. And I don't mm. think it had a numeric um, answer. Um, when you do something on a financial calculator – financial calculator and you put in information that can't be computed it'll say sort of like you know it's an unknown error and it's mm. because the input was wrong so there, there can't be an answer so maybe the question oh, was wrong well, maybe the answer was right well there oh, and maybe you could just turn the calculator upside down it'll spell boobies right <laughs> <laughs> well let me, let me just clarify something there are no wrong there are no wrong questions there are no wrong mm. answers. The thing about a Radio 8 ball is we, are, we uncork this here in the room, but we don't know what's going on outside this room right now or in, in the minds of the people who are listening to this in the future. Mm-hmm. Like we, so, so much of the answer mm-hmm. is, uh, is invisible to us mm-hmm. here while we're answering it. So I am – and I'm 100 percent confident that in the full contextualization of it, it all totally makes sense. And when you, you know, when you look back on this, on the 10th anniversary of this reading, you'll say, oh, my God, yes, it was three. He was so right. He didn't even know what he was talking about, but it was three. Because you know what? You know why it is? Because you got three wild animals. You got a spider, one kid who's a spider. You got one kid who's a squirrel and one kid who's a raccoon. Yeah. There you go. 
That aristocrats. That's a uh-huh. that's one heck of a show. <laughs> <laughs> so, Glenda, I think I think we gotta relinquish you back to your coffee and your trash and your accounting. I feel if we talked to you more, we'd find out that you have other careers. Yeah. You sort of dropped the accounting in there. Yeah. I have a degree in accounting. I'm not an accountant. <laughs> Do you have anything? Is there anything else you have a degree in that you're not? No. Is there anything else that you are that you don't have a degree in? Oh, I mean, yeah. There's, again, like, not, no one's paying me to be that, but I suppose I'm a, I'm a couple other things. Like what? Well, I'm a mom. Um, mm. I'm in a couple boards here in town. I'm a person trying to raise money to buy a lot on the north side with one of your other performers to oh. put low-income housing on it. So, I don't know. Good trying, for you. Trying, trying to make Missoula a lovely place to be. Mm. Excellent. Yeah. Sam, man, if you're going to talk, you're going to have to get on a mic. You can't just, just be yip-yapping okay, off the mic. Come on, come on Lean over. on in and say what you got to say. I was just saying that she's also a big beat happening Halo Benders fan, and that's pretty important. It's super important. When I saw the guest list come out for Christmas, I was like, oh, my God, he knows Calvin Johnson. That's like, you know, oh, that's we're from a, real. We're from Olympia. We all know Calvin oh, Johnson. Are you from Olympia? Yeah. That's so great. Yeah, he's our neighbor. That's so lovely. Yeah. Um, I used to live in Seattle for years, and one of the guys who opened Rebar, his partner owned like a dance club in Olympia um, forever, and he would come up. Well, he had a funny name. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? You mean Pitt? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. still has the Brotherhood, runs the Brotherhood Tavern. Really? You're talking about Thecla. Yeah, no. exactly. Yeah, that was and the, that was our first, well, it wasn't, it was, it was definitely a transformational venue in Olympia. They yeah. were, I think, transformational people. The, Steve Wells, his partner, who ended up running Rebar for years in Seattle, uh, was a delightful. Sorry, go on. Yeah, anyway, they, you know, they did good things. It was a good time to be there. Excellent. All cool. right. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Carolina Gibson. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Glenda. You, that, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was wonderful. I think I need therapy. <laughs> this is therapy. Yeah. yeah. It is therapy. All right. Thank you, Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. We hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. For more info about our show, visit Radio8Ball.com, where you'll find the Radio 8 blog, our Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the pop oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you give us good reviews and ratings, that really helps get the word out. Until next time, I'm your your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Show. It's a good show.